Yeah, this is Mark in Panama City, Florida. In my marriage, intentionally, what I'm really working hard at is something I should have been doing all along. Really pay attention to the little things as far as having my wife's lunch made for her when she comes home for lunch, if I'm off or, or we're meeting here for lunch at the house. Making sure coffee's made in the morning and uh, getting the habit of doing that every day so she doesn't have to get up and do that. A lot of little things that my wife really appreciates because it makes her feel loved and makes her feel that I really care and that I'm sensitive to her desires, her needs. It's made a big, huge difference. Mm. What you're doing, Mark, my friend, is you're making your marriage work. And I was thinking about all the things when they break down or they don't work too well can drive you nuts. We had a uh, washing machine that I could hear the bearings starting to go out and starting to rub and it was still sort of working but not working too great. And uh, we had to take care of that because eventually that thing was going to break down and we would be without a washer. You know, so I was thinking that can happen in our marriages. Things start to wear down. Things start not to work so well. And all of a sudden you got a marriage that isn't working at all. And that can be very devastating and destructive in a relationship. So the question today is, what are you doing to make that marriage work just a little bit better? What kind of ingredients and maybe some of the lubrication to keep that marriage going? What oil are you using to keep it going, as it were? We'd love to have you share that on our comment line at 888 The callers for the show today are recorded, all set, ready to go. But our comment line is open to you as you call 888 And what Mark said at the beginning was really powerful. He said, hey, this one thing is what I'm going to do in my marriage. He was very intentional about it. And that one act that he described, he said, changed the whole course of his marriage, changed everything. And I believe that. It doesn't have to be the big, huge things that make a difference. It's the little things that will add up over a period of time that will make the biggest difference in your relationship and in your marriage. That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get started. we got uh, Joe on the line in Iowa. So, uh, Joe, first of all, let me say uh, welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. So what's, uh, what's your question for me today, Joe? Um, my question is, um, I've been divorced for three years. And um, since my divorce um, with my ex-wife, um, my belief with Christ has grew, you know, grown so much that um, I'm a true believer and a follower of Him. Good. And um, my ex-wife used to be a, a believer and a follower. And I would honestly say I don't think she's in that position anymore um, since her father's death. Um, since we're divorced and I have my children, you know, 50% of the time, I'm trying to get my, my, my children more involved with church, you know, on the weekends I'm with them and, you know, and they go to church, you know, with me. And when they go to church with me, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get my kids to be born again Christians and be baptized and, and, and stuff like that. And, um, when I do this, my, my ex-wife, it, it's almost like a brick wall. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this with my kids and I feel, you know, when my kids are with me, you know, they're saints. And when they're with her, I feel she manipulates my kids, you know, um, so much where to the point where my ex-wife, um, took a no contact order on me, which was thrown out of court. Um, she, um, try to go with DHS, and that was thrown away. And every time I try to get close to my kids and get close with Christ with my kids, um, there's always something there, 
you know, that's blocking my way in, you know, and I attend to two Bible studies a week, you know, and I go to church weekly, and um, and this just means so much to me, you know, because I lost my firstborn son when he was five months old, Mm. you know, so having my kids, myself, you know, being born-again Christians and everything else just means the world to me. Well, Joe, let, let, let let me jump in, because I would challenge you, in our discussion, your, your ex-wife's name came up several times, and you don't have any control over her. I mean, she's an ex-spouse. You guys are, you know, the marriage is no longer intact. You're, you're separated. She has the kids half the time. You have kids half the time. A um, couple of things I'd recommend. One is to the extent that you can have a positive relationship with her, you need to do that. In other words, you don't you don't want to poke the the sleeping bear. I mean, you're going to get there's where you get problems. So you don't do things that might intentionally or even unintentionally create a problem with your ex-wife. And then as a follower of Christ, you you be the best dad you possibly can. You never criticize mom, you never bring her into the discussion or try to straighten her out as you talk to your kids. You just love your kids, you be intentional with your kids lovingly. Um, and you take them to church as you can, and but even more important than that, you need to be the dad where they see Christ in you. Your kids are gonna they're gonna catch your life. They're gonna see you. They're gonna measure how you live, how you speak, how you uh, demonstrate your love toward them and toward other people, and even toward their mom. And so your goal to be intentional. Remember, two things about intentional living. One is having godly goals, goals that are in alignment with God's intention, which is a biblically-based question. What does the Bible teach? And secondly, then developing the next right one thing until it becomes a habit, and then the next one until you have the kind of habits that will support you accomplishing those goals in your life. That is really what intentional living is all about. All right, I hope that helps. Um, let's go to Dwayne, who's on the line. Uh, let me see from Arizona with a comment. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, Dr. Randy. Hey, how you doing today? i just taking it one day at a time. Yeah, isn't that the way, we, we do. That's the way we're supposed to live? That's right. What's your comment on this marriage topic today? Um, I was just talking about my, my uh, spouse, my mate. You know, when they're sick or something's going on, you intercede for them all the time, no matter what. If you're like at a uh, movie war room, yeah. I watched it several times, and I've got a place right up under my stairs. I call it my war room. For those got, who don't know, um, it's the movie The War Room that was where this this wife went to do battle for her marriage, but in a prayer way. I mean, that, that was her prayer room where she went and did a spiritual battle for her marriage. And I think we right. all need that kind of place in our own, I mean, even if it's a physical place, but a place that we can go to do that kind of battle spiritually. Yes, a closet right up on the stairs, and I've got uh, prayers up, and I've got names, and I've got all kinds of stuff just like she did, and I pray for my grandkids, I pray for my kids and foster kids, and I pray for my friends and churches that we've represented through the years, and, uh, What know, difference does having, what difference does that make in your life, Dwayne? Oh, it, it makes a great difference. I mean, I, I get up, when I get up in the morning at 5.30, my prayer time and all, and uh, I feel refreshed once I'm done, and just thinking about God all day, you know, or day, you know, day in and day out is till he gets ready to come back for us, mm. you know. 
That's we great. know he's coming back one day soon. Amen to that. All right, Dwayne, thank you for your call. He's got a war room, you know, and it's a prayer room. And uh, I, one of the things that we teach here, intentional living, is prayer is a key. And when we have an attitude of prayer about our spouse, for our spouse, for ourselves, for our marriage, something happens spiritually, emotionally, and just relationally when we bring it to God. Talking about marriage today, we'd love to have you join in. What's your thought? What's your question? You could call our comment line, 888-888-1717, and press number two. You're listening to Intentional Living with your host, Dr. Randy Carlson. Intentional Living is furnished by Parent Talk Incorporated and is made possible by the generous support of listeners just like you. This program is not a substitute for professional counseling, medical, financial, or legal advice. Intentional Living is not intended to be therapy by radio. We are Intentional Living, and we'll be right back. Hi, I just wanted to let Dr. Randy know how much this program means to me, and the Intentional Living focus has transformed my life in every aspect, personal relationships, work, finances, my health, physical activity, because without a goal, I would tend to like just be directed by kind of the winds of change of life and let circumstances gobble me up. And we get overwhelmed at times depending on the circumstances, but I feel like intentional living has made me stronger, given me better direction. And instead of depending on myself, I have as I let go of my way of doing things and surrender to the Lord, I become, ironically enough, there's the paradox, as I let go and surrendered, I become a stronger woman of God. The direction that men of wisdom like Dr. Randy uh, can give us, those of us who are still struggling, who know we're strong, but we want more direction, uh, more guidance. It's a wonderful show, and it's strengthening the body of Christ. Thank you. Hey, listen, you're on the journey. We're just we're coming along and we're doing this we're doing this thing of life together and uh, I just get a chance to applaud when I see people saying, "Listen, I understand this. I'm going to stretch and that's what intentional living's all about, stretching toward a goal that we know will honor Christ, bring him glory, and then living that out intentionally, not not perfectly. Listen, intentional living is not about perfection. Cuz if it were, I wouldn't be the teacher. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, none of us are perfect. And it's not about working your way more into making God love you more. Being intentional doesn't make God love you more than he already loves you. Any more than your kids. You love them all, those that are being intentional and their family, and those not. You love them. But you, you're, you're smart enough as a parent to know, think about it. When you have a son or daughter that's more intentional in their life than one that isn't, you know the outcome is going to be better, right? You, you see the path that that's going to lead to, and that's really what this is about, as children of God, that when we choose to follow what the Bible teaches and be intentional, doing the next right one thing, setting godly goals and doing it uh, with joy and peace, uh, better things happen in our lives, and that's intentional living. We're talking about marriage today because, boy, we see it here when we choose to be the way God wants us to be. So we got a comment here or a question, I think. Either way, Jose, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, I have a question. I, I was um, listening to uh, the show, and I, I heard about, I think it was today I actually heard it on the radio, mm-hmm. um, uh, someone named Rosie or something like that, and she had a 28 and 
24-year-old living at home, and it was causing friction in the family. Yeah, it was a blended family. Yeah. Well, I, you know, whether it's blended or not, the kids are 24 and 28, and there's got to be a time where they got to start being accountable. And I, I feel I agree. that I feel she's putting her marriage uh, on the line, and, and she's saying that he doesn't care. But, you know, I... Yeah, but see, let, let me just family. jump in, though, Jose, because I agree with you. But here, here's the thing, that the fact that was blended or not blended made a difference. Because in her case, these were, quote, her kids. That's how she referred to them. These are my kids, right. and this man right. who I married doesn't care about my kids, was basically the message. Uh, and so he wants to cut them out. And what she was feeling, I think, was if he truly loved me, then he would love my children. And that right. makes that, that dynamic it's, it's makes it difficult. Sometimes as a, no, I agree with you. I, I, like I said, I came from a blended family, and um, I understand her point. But she, she's kind of like her, she's putting her marriage on the, you know, in the back back seat, basically, and so you know. My, my thought on that is even, I mean, the kids are 24 and 28. Uh, you know, it's not like they're, hey, I, I just graduated high school, 18, 19 years old. I need to figure out my footing. They should have their footing. And so it comes to a point where she was, I, I think she was saying, well, her son's probably going to, he's got his, they need to both come up with a date. And, yeah. you know. Well, how would you approach then, this? If this were you and you were well, we, you were a husband, what would you do? I did. I did have this, I had the same situation with the kids. I, I think there were, I, I believe it was like, tw- one was 26 at the time and one was like 22 or 23. Um, and I was, I'm the stepdad. And, you know, I had a good relationship. I, I, I grew up with them since they were, you know, toddlers. But, you know, she, we had a date set. And when that date came up, she waffled on me, basically. And then I had a long talk. I was like, this is going to destroy our marriage because, you know, she did do the thing where my kids and the staff, like I raised them too, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, I know. And, and so when we went, it was causing, we were financially helping out. She was financially helping them. I initially did. And I was like, I got to cut this off. They got to get their footing because what they were spending, they were both working, but what they were doing is um, they were living there for like maybe 200 bucks. I could not give them, get her to charge them more. And I was like, well, this is not really being responsible. And finally, um, one of the kids ended up, you know, I believe he was on the, maybe on the street for like two weeks. And as much as I hated that, they had to get to the uh, knowledge that they have to actually do something mm-hmm. with their life. They can't just rely on mom and dad. One other kid lived with friends for a while and stuff like that. But so you're what you're saying is your wife finally agreed to to make a split. How how are you doing today? How did it turn out? What's what's the end game? We're here? doing we're doing great. One of the kids is doing great. The other one is still just kind of mooching off everyone else, kind of living. Um, you know, he's he's thirty five. He's kind of uh, he doesn't even have a place yet. And uh, you know, you know, he's like, "Can I stay with you guys?" And I was like, "We're like, she wants him." She's like, well, he, "He's living with friends." I was like, "We got to say no because mm-hmm. he's thirty five years old." And, yeah, I know, think it's it, it's tough for kids. We see this a lot. There's there's a uh, young people today. There's a lot that are coming back home, trying to get started today. Sometimes kids are getting out of school with these huge loans. Uh, the the employment has changed over the years, and it's, and it's been difficult. But I, you're making a point, jo- Jose, that's really important. When a when a mom and dad, a husband and wife, are not on the same page. 
whenever there's some a light that gets between you and you're not shoulder to shoulder, it creates a huge problem. I mean, this is just common sense. This, this is the same thing that happens in a business relationship. It'll happen in churches. If you're not have the same vision, the same goal, it'll happen on sports teams. It's just a principle of life. Unless two people are in agreement, how can they walk together, the Scripture says. And so the, your message is right on. You've got to come to, to an agreement. And I agree with you. There's a point where a little bit of tough love is a part of the process of helping our kids grow up. It really is. All right. Thank you for your call. Uh, we'd love to have you join in. Maybe you got a different take on this, something you've learned that uh, you want to share with us on our comment line. It's 888-888-1717 is the number. Uh, let me go to Sherry. Let me see. Sherry's in Texas. Sherry, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It says here you have a story you'd like to share. I do. Um, it's crazy. I was sitting here listening and, and hearing people on your um, on your show a lot ask how to fix things. And um, it's amazing to me to see what God's done in my life because I've always been that one who always tries to fix everything. And uh, I'm a little bit of a control freak. And I was walking intentionally um, to go to, to Bible study. And actually, one day I didn't want to go, but I knew that God put it on my heart to go this day. And... Uh, so I went, and we were my husband, my son, and I were kind of in a in a not, and we were kind of in a negative space. Um, we've been married 19 years, and and we've been through a lot, good times and bad. But I've, through that, still, I've always tried to fix things. I've tried to fix everything. And that day that I went to Bible study, I had an aha moment that was. Mm ridiculously amazing when I learned that I'm not in control. And I learned that even though I had faith that God was present in my life, I don't think I ever really trusted Him. (laughs) And that's what I try to tell so many of my friends now, is that you you can have a faith, and that's one thing, but to really trust that God's got it that he already knew what's going to happen tomorrow. That's what I heard, mm. that, that God's got it, and you just have to trust him. And that day I went home, and I surrendered all of my worries about my son, all my concerns about my husband, anything in the world, I gave it to God because he's got it. Mm. And that was a pivotal moment in my marriage. I communicate better with my husband. I'm a better listener. Um. I have so much joy that people comment all the time about the difference they see. You know, so, the thing, Sherry, the, the, I do some teaching from the book of Psalms where we read that little passage. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And that word delight, if you look it up in the Hebrew, that word really means to be totally uh, dependent upon God. It's a strong word. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that talks about total dependence on God and finding all of your pleasure in Him. And, and that's what you did. You delighted yourself in the Lord by saying, I'm going to trust totally in Him, and the desires of your heart then happen. It's amazing. I don't know how that works. It's a spiritual thing. 
Um, and so your story reminds us that when we're intentional in letting go of control, because you know the amazing thing, we don't control much. We don't, come on, we don't control our spouse. The, the, you know, you might think you do, and they may let you think you do. They, you know, you may push a button and they give you the response that you like, and you think, hey, look at that, I'm controlling them, but they're still letting you do that. That's still, they're still in control themselves. We don't control other people. We don't control our kids. We don't control the weather. We don't control God. We don't control our spouse. And frankly, it's hard enough just to try to keep control of ourselves, right? And so intentional living comes back to finding that our joy comes in total delight in him, dependence in him. And I think that's the message you're sharing with us, Sherry, from Texas. And appreciate you doing that. God bless you. Thank you for your call today. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Of course, the other prisoner we know rejected him, right? And then the scripture says, and then Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. That's the ultimate message, isn't it? Talk about being unloved in your last hour before death. Probably had a miserable life. I mean, you can just kind of picture what life was like for this guy up to this point that led him to the cross alone, dying alone, and yet Christ in his dying moments turns to him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, there are four lessons in scripture, many more actually, but four that I'm sharing this month to our intentional living community. Four examples of how God stepped in, how God touched the life of an unloved person specifically, and the difference it made in their lives. Some like the thief on the cross, eternal life, to encouragement to others, and other things that will just, uh, I think it'll be an eye-opening lesson for you this month. Again, members, you received it earlier in the month. I hope you enjoyed it. Appreciate your feedback. Share it with others. If you're not a part of the Intentional Living community today, why not? Come and be a part of what's going on here. All we ask is that you help support the ministry a little bit to help us continue. A little bit from a lot helps us continue to do this. People ask, well, how much? We don't, we don't set a limit. We just want you to be a part of it. But generally, on average, it's about a dollar a day in support. About $30 a month helps us reach more people. Come and join us. And for our monthly community, you receive a brand new teaching every month. We're here at the end of the month now, kind of a last call to get in on this lesson. Uh, we'll get this out to you. And then, of course, as we go into November, you'll receive that teaching as well which will really be speaking to what the Scripture teaches about intentional living, and specifically five questions that I encourage each of us to ask every day in our life to get us refocused, get us back where we need to be on track with our thinking, with our actions, and our emotions. I think you'll enjoy it. So again, just go to theintentionallife.com. All right, Eric uh, is on the line over there in California. Eric, appreciate your call. What, uh, what can we do for you today, my friend? Yeah, well, I have a question. Uh, newly married to a woman, beautiful woman, uh, that's generous and kind. Um, has a big heart, but she has no children of her own. And I have two children. Unfortunately, um, they have two different mothers. And periodically, I have to converse and see these other women. My wife does not understand. And I don't understand her not understanding, but there seems to be some tension, maybe some jealousy, and uh, maybe some, some resentment. 
Wow. Uh, Eric, the horse is already out of the barn on this one. You know, these are things, and I just want to say this for everybody else, then I'll come to your your question. If, If you're thinking of getting married and you're going into a blended family relationship, you would be enormously wise to talk about these things up front. Now, what happens is when we're in love, we kind of discount. It'll all work out. And here's what I've seen. If there's even a yellow sign, a yellow light uh, in your discussions before marriage, they don't typically go from yellow to green after you get married. They're more uh, more typical to go from yellow to red. And so if these issues are not talked about in advance, uh, they can create problems later on. All right, to your case, Eric, I think for you, brother, um, I would be very clear with your wife. I'd sit down and not only tell her that I have to have communication. These are the the mothers of my children and now your stepchildren. Uh, But let me explain to you what the nature of this relationship is. In other words, you're assuring her how the communication goes, why you're having this communication, um, and over what topics. But beyond that, it's something that she's, you know, she's got to accept the fact. She's got to grow up to the fact that she married into uh, a relationship where you have two other women that are going to be a part of your life as long as those kids are part of your life. And that just comes with the, that's part of the baggage that comes with this relationship. And she needs to understand that. She needs to work that through. You need to make it as comfortable for her as possible. But at the same time, that's going to be a reality. Because if you don't, if that doesn't happen, if she doesn't get beyond that, she can't get that healed in her life, it's going to be uh, a challenge. It's going to be difficult to get beyond. All right. Uh, I hope that helps, Eric. Appreciate your call. Let's go. I think we've got time for one more. Uh, Amy's been standing by from Michigan. What's your question? My husband is a kind of person who likes to come home, and I give him his time, but lately it seems like his time has been spreading from one hour to, like, two hours, and he's only home for about four hours a day, and it feels like I can't get him to get out of a book or or off the computer to do things with me, and I'm not quite sure what to do. You know, some men, just to be candid, come on, guys, we like to hide like a turtle in our shells and stay away from some of the what we may perceive as confusion or nagging or tension or stress or responsibility or whatever it is. And uh, obviously as men and husbands and our families, we need to suck it up and get in there and provide for our family and be a part of the family. But I would say to the rest of the family, whenever mom or dad, because this can cut both ways, come home from work, they've been in a different environment, their, their heads have been in different places, uh, having that little point of time to be able to decompress. I always tell people the best thing is maybe decompress before you even open the door. Maybe that's uh, taking a walk before you get in the house or sitting out front in the car for a couple of minutes and, and decompressing before you come in. Because let's face it, once you're in the house, we all, well, we want each other. We want family. And if mom has been there all day with the kids, she's ready to hand them off and do her own thing and or vice versa today. So can I encourage you maybe in your situation, Amy, just to be honest, sit down with your husband and say, hey, I just need to share with you what I'm observing and how it's affecting me. Can you give me any insight? And just leave it as an open-ended question for him to give you some uh, feedback. Try that. Let me know how it goes. Talking about making marriage work, you can do it. Be intentional. For Stephen and the rest of the team, hey, we got to run. 
Have a great day and be intentional.